What does the cleaning industry really talk about? Beyond Clean with Ace is a podcast to explore just that. Now in its sixth season, Beyond Clean with Ace has hosted hundreds of influencers from around the globe. Listen to people who are excited about providing healthy, positive, and proactive information. Share their experiences, passions, and helpful tips. Now let's join our host, Dave Thompson, Director for the Academy of Cleaning Excellence, as he speaks with yet another leading influencer from our industry. Good morning, everyone. This is Dave Thompson. I'm also the Director of the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. And as I can now say, I'm a tenured professor of the cleaning industry. However, we don't talk about just cleaning here, but what's interesting about my guest that I have on the show today is he understands Florida quite well. Jeffrey Barnes, are you on the line with us today? I am, Dave. How are you? I am doing well because I hear somebody on the other end, and that's always a good thing when you're doing a podcast. (laughs) It is. I tell you, um, you know, between technical challenges and maintaining the calendar, uh, wires get crossed. But um, thrilled to be with you and thrilled to be with your listeners this morning. Now, now, folks, the reason that I said that is because uh, when, 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 you know, we all have these different ways that we connect with people. And I connected uh, uh, with Jeffrey through a, uh, and I guess, a search engine, if you would called Podmatch. And when I saw this come up, I'd go, you know what? I have to respond to this guy because he talks about Disney. And I'm here in Orlando, Florida, and I just couldn't resist talking with somebody about Disney. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was excited when you reached out to me because um, you're a professor of cleaning. I'm a professor of Disney, and both are unlikely degrees, but, you know, I think we make the world better. Uh, You make the world better by making it a cleaner and shinier place. I would like to think I make the world better by inspiring and motivating people to use what a lot of folks love, and that is Disney, to see and make their own dreams come true. So I think this is a perfect match this morning. I mean, you know, how would you have figured that, you know, we would actually be this? Um, Now, what's interesting about this, though, Jeffrey, is that the owner of Jim Supply, who is our sponsor, um, remembers Disney here in Orlando when it was Swamp. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I've written books both on Disneyland and Walt Disney World. And I always talk about Disneyland being, quote unquote, the dream. But Walt Disney World is really the miracle because it was just that before Walt showed up in the mid 1960s. It was Swampland. And, um, you know, what they were able to do in converting that not just into a theme park, but what is today our nation's largest single site employer and the world's most popular vacation destination. It's an unbelievable story and shows the power of vision when you really are intentional about what you want to accomplish and who you are in doing that. Now, you know, what was kind of interesting as we were reviewing this, uh, uh, folks, is um, I remember watching a series on this whole subject uh, about Walt and uh, uh, the, the Disney World and land. Um, 
it, I think it was on the History Channel, if I remember right. Or was it Discovery? Uh, you know, there's, so there's a lot of different um, pieces out there. Um, one of my favorites is actually on PBS. Um, and it, it's, it, 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 it just tells Walt's story in the two-part documentary. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a story for the ages, uh, both in terms of of how Disneyland came to be, which no one believed in, uh, thinking it would be bankrupt, shuttered, and forgotten in six months or less. And then after he gets that park up and running, Walt, never quite satisfied, but never wanting to repeat himself either, starts dreaming even bigger and goes from 160 acres in Southern California to 27,440 acres in Central Florida. And, you know, it's a it's a crazy story and a crazy ride, quite frankly. Now, with all of the information that's out there on on all of this subject, Jeffrey, how is it that you've made a career over something that there's so many people talking about? I mean, you know, and I guess I get the same question, uh, professor of cleaning. You know, what are you talking about? So I, I think it's interesting. I'd like to know. Well, I think that's a fair question. And in Southern California, um, I'm known as, quote unquote, Dr. Disneyland. And I managed to, uh, as dean of student success, professor of humanities, uh, where I was teaching, you know, courses that most people are familiar with, U.S. history, American government, writing for university success. I created the world's only accredited college course on the history of Disneyland because as Dean of Student Success, I was also responsible for helping students who were struggling academically get back on track and back on a path toward graduation. Well, in Southern California, everybody loves Disney. Everybody loves going to Disneyland. And I knew the background of the Walt Disney story, i.e., He wasn't born successful, difficult relationship with his father, bankrupt with his first studio at age 21, and in fact had more failures than successes, and how everyone, to include his own wife and his own brother, doubted his dream for Disneyland. And so I realized, well, if I could take something that students love, i.e. Disneyland, and leverage that and use it as inspiration and motivation to help students achieve their own goals and help make their own dreams come true. Wow, wouldn't that be something? And so I think what's different about what I'm trying to do in the Disney universe, if you will, (laughs) is I'm not just writing history books, because there's a lot of great Disney history books out there. And I'm not just writing a Disney business book, And there's a lot of great Disney books out there as well. I take the Walt story, the Disneyland story, the Walt Disney World story, and really connect it to you and your story. And what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What it is that you're trying to achieve? Well, so then that goes to one of the titles on your website, Be the Hero in Your Own Story. And I think that's, you know, some people would say that's a little self-serving. It is self-serving. But what people don't realize is that idea that you've been thinking of. And for Walt, it was sitting on a park bench, 
his daughters are riding the merry-go-round at Griffith Park. And while they're going around on the merry-go-round, he has the idea of a place where parents and children could have fun together. The idea that you're thinking of that might not change the world the way that Disneyland did, but could at least change your world. If you don't get up, if you don't take action, if you don't become the hero of that idea, no one else is going to come and, you know, make it happen for you. And oh, so I know that. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and so, you know, success is a choice. Mm-hmm. Realizing our dreams is a choice. And um, one of the great lessons from my history of Disneyland class is the way in which Walt built the park for the purpose of telling stories. And in Fantasyland at Disneyland, the best stories when the park opened were in the original Dark Rides, Snow White's Scary Adventures, Peter Pan's Flight, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. But interestingly enough, the lead characters in those original attractions weren't actually there. There was no Snow White. There was no Peter Pan. There was no Mr. Toad. Walt intentionally left the heroes out every guest to have the opportunity to be Snow White, to be Peter Pan, to be Mr. Toad, which sounds really cool, except guests back in 1955 didn't get that. They missed the point entirely. In fact, Mm -hmm. they would go to City Hall on Main Street, whine, moan, and complain, where is Snow White? Where is Peter Pan? Where is Mr. Toad? And so when they renovated Fantasyland in 1983, at a cost of $55.5 million, by the way, when they renovated Fantasyland, they put those heroes into those attractions for the first time. And so one of the challenges to my students, one of the challenges to my readers, one of the challenges to my audiences when I'm giving a keynote is to stop looking for a hero and start being the hero that you need, your business needs, your family needs. As an entrepreneur, that's sometimes difficult for us to put ourselves in that place. You know, we've always been taught it's always about everybody else. Put yourself second. Um, But you're saying that might not always be true? Well, I think balancing act. And when, when I say be the hero in your own great story, you're not doing it to serve yourself. Um, hopefully your idea has an impact, not just on you, but on others. You know, I, I asked the question, why did Walt build Disneyland? And the sole answer is he wanted one. It was literally the toy he never had in an impoverished childhood. But here's the kicker. Here we are six plus decades later And we freaking love the place. And so Walt had the courage to follow through on his idea, get up off of that park bench, fight through all of the doubters, all of the resistors, all of the naysayers, and build something that he wanted, but has made a lasting impact on you and me and the rest of the world. And so in doing something for himself, he served others as well. So as I look through everything that you do here, Jeffrey, what gives you the most pleasure of being being able to do that for yourself? I think for me, um, 
it's putting content out in the world that inspires and motivates people to start taking action on whatever it is they want to do, whoever it is they want to be, um, accomplishing something that they have been struggling with for whoever knows how long. Uh, I, 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 I think we've all been there. Um, you know, we're stuck. Uh, you know, we, we want to be doing more. We want to be having some sort of greater impact. And we, 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 just, we, we just can't get there. And when I find out a, a student, you know, took my history of Disneyland class and then was able to graduate as a result of the content, the inspiration, the motivation, that moves me. Um, I, I get feedback from readers all the time that, you know, they read my book and they took a new career path or maybe they even quit their job and became an entrepreneur. Or, I, I mean, I've even had people say they started, you know, weight loss plans and, you know, dropped a hundred pounds as a result of reading The Wisdom of Walt. I mean, we all are striving uh, for something maybe more in our life. And it's very gratifying to think that I had this idea that, Disney could be not just an escape, but an example, and not just the place where dreams come true, but it could show us how to make our own dreams come true. And to see that come back from, again, students and readers and then listeners and my keynote audiences is very, very fulfilling. So all the different platforms that you have that you you put this message out um, I'm thinking there's one over the others that you enjoy the most. Who? Um, I, I love speaking. Um, you know, I, I, I feel very privileged to um, have gone from the classroom to you know putting pen to paper to now having you know the opportunity to travel not just the country but the world, sharing with people the quote-unquote wisdom of Walt, telling Walt's story, and again, stories from Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and then using those stories in such a way that inspires and motivates people. And so, you know, we all want to do work that is passionate. We all want to do work that we love. This is something that, that I love, and I feel very privileged to be able to do it. And so now speaking is really my favorite platform. Uh, you and I had the opportunity to talk just before I went to Orlando. And, um, and, and then I was in Indiana and Illinois. I just got back from Las Vegas and I'm headed to Canada next week. And, you know, I just, I, I love talking about it because it's a passion of mine. So then you have to be glad that we're allowed to move freely around the country again. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. I think we're all glad that um, we may not be fully on the other side of the pandemic, but I think we're on the better side of the pandemic. And uh, yeah, um, you know, just like everyone else, the lockdown, you know, had a severe impact on, you know, my ability to do what I love, which is speak. Uh, but, you know, you pivot and, you know, you figure out a way uh, to adjust and you keep moving forward, which is exactly what Walt Disney always did. 
Well, resiliency is is the name of any entrepreneur. Um, creativity. Uh, I was on a podcast with another lady, and she said, "Love is the whole thing." I think it, it it takes all of that. But I noticed that you've got basically three different, um, I guess, core competencies, if you will: courage, leadership, and resiliency. What uh, is there one in front of the other, or are they just all kind of together? <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, you know, those really reflect um, the most common uh, topics related to Walt's story. But at the same time, they also reflect what um, businesses, companies, corporations, and I think individuals um, really need to hear uh, today. And uh, what's interesting, uh, my website, um, the current one, went live uh, literally in the middle um, of, the, of the pandemic as we were shutting down. I had no idea that resiliency in <laughs> spring of 2020 would become the hot topic that it is in 2022. But oh, without yeah. doubt, I speak on resiliency more than any other topic today. And um, it's, it's great because, you know, Walt was an incredibly resilient individual. His wife, Lily, said, I never saw Walt beaten at anything. And, you know, I shared earlier, you know, he was bankrupt with the first studio after only 18 months in 1921 in Kansas City, Missouri. But instead of going up, giving up. He went all in on his dreams, boarded a train for California, $40 single suitcase, one way ticket, founded a second studio with his older brother, Roy, which today, by the way, is the world's largest entertainment company. But from there, he would create his first successful cartoon character, which was not Mickey Mouse, but a, a fellow by the name of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And after five years, he would lose Oswald in a distribution dispute with Universal. And rather than, again, giving up, even though he's steering bankruptcy in the face all over again, he pivots, he innovates, he's resourceful. And it's in that moment of losing Oswald that he then comes up with Mickey Mouse. In the middle of the Great Depression, he decides to... Um, pivot again and give us uh, the world's first full-length animated cartoon feature, which is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. He then gets into the amusement park business with Disneyland. And then, um, you know, following the success of Disneyland, Walt Disney World there in Orlando wasn't really about doing another Disneyland. He wanted to get into urban planning. He wanted to help solve the problems of the inner city and give us uh, the first city of the 21st century. So he was always pivoting, always adjusting, and was incredibly resilient no matter what life threw at him. That is the foundation of almost every successful entrepreneur that I ever talk with. Uh, they've went through the ups and downs. Some of the downs are further down than others, but... Um, <laughs> Almost everyone that I've ever talked to finds a place where they had to pivot somewhere along the line because the method or the program, the path didn't come clear. Correct. And it's a rinse and repeat story, not just in Walt's life, but like you said, every successful 
entrepreneurial story that is out there? Repeated time and time again, um, and still today going through those same things. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, Walt's failures um, weren't failures because he was committed to the belief in continuing to move forward. He didn't stay stuck in the past. He didn't wallow in the pain of the past. He always had a bigger vision for a much brighter future. Well, you know, I've always said, and I think you might agree, Jeffrey, is that you can't appreciate the highs if you haven't had the lows. So is a failure a failure? No, it's just a different direction. Correct. And it's that contrast that allows us to appreciate the good times when they are, quote unquote, good times. And I think that's another really interesting point. You know, for all of Walt Disney's successes, he most wanted to be remembered not for Mickey Mouse, not for any of the other animated feature films, not for Snow White, um, and not even for Disneyland. Walt most wanted to be remembered as a storyteller. And Hollywood remembers him as the best storyteller that the town ever had. But what's interesting, when we think of story today, we think of once upon a time, we think of happily ever after. <laughs> Walt knew... <laughs> Walt knew that every great story requires conflict and contrast. And so, you know, I challenge folks, if, if you want to level up, if you're bored with your life, if you want to achieve greater success, you have got to be willing to embrace that contrast and that conflict. Absolutely. I, I, it is so interesting how, Many of my podcasts, Jeffrey, we talk about the same things, um, and everybody says, oh, why do I want to listen to a cleaning podcast? Well, folks, if you will listen to any of our podcasts that we do here at Beyond Clean, you'll find we do talk about cleaning somewhere, sometime along in it, because cleaning is universal to everybody. I mean, you know, we all do it, but commercially, every building on the planet and then the thing is, is it's not the message. The message is being able to be honest with what's happening, realize it, adjust. Um, and that's what you're saying here. And I, I, I like your word contrast. That's, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Walt knew that life was full of dark and light shadows. And quite frankly, the sooner we expose children to that reality, the better they would be for it. And so as a result, you know, his movies didn't shy away from that. You know, how many of us were traumatized when we watched Bambi and saw the mom get killed just a few minutes in? Um, Walt recognized the realities of life and his stories were filled with those facts. You know, what's interesting, though, as you talk about this, Jeffrey, in this world of instant gratification that we're in today, um, how telling a story is so much more difficult, I think, because people don't have the time to listen. That, that is so true. Um, and, you know, we, we want everything to be instant. Um, we don't want anything to be difficult. And if it upsets or if it offends us, 
you know, we want to report it. We want it to go away. And the truth of the matter is um, we, we need to stay in it. We, we need to stay through it. Um, right. You know, our, our emotions, I mean, that's what story is. Um, story, you know, is, is both the high and the low. You know, going back it's to It's not the goods all the time. Correct. Um, I, I think one of the challenges with our world today is we've had so much good that when we have the least little bit of bad, um, we, we have no idea how to, how, to, how to react or how to respond. Yeah, we and, want to go crawl over in the corner and double up and say, somebody take care of me. And that's not what Walt did. Correct. Um, and, you know, you go back to those original dark rides at Fantasyland here in Disneyland. Um, Walt didn't build those attractions to retell those entire stories. He actually built them to evoke the emotion associated with the story. So Snow White's Scary Adventure was all about fear and danger. Peter Pan's Flight, awe and wonder. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, humor and comedy in a very 1950s, 60s, psychedelic kind of way. <laughs> and people ask me all the time, well, why in the world is Peter Pan, you know, which is not an e-ticket thrill ride by any stretch of the imagination, why does that attraction have a 45-minute wait or longer from the second the park opens all the way to closing? Well, the answer is emotion. Um, it's not just the kids that want to experience it, but it's the adults as well, because I don't care how old you are, you can never get enough awe and wonder. And when we were kids, we were terrified of the Snow White attraction because it wasn't about the entire story. It was about fear and danger. And Walt was perfectly okay with that. Emotions inspire. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so thus is part of telling a story is to be able to hone in on the emotion so that they're inspired to do. Correct. And, um, you know, we, we live the life we think about and typically our emotions will follow our thinking. And so if you want to start feeling better, you need to start thinking better. Well, you know, I, I, I go back and I think about this, uh, Jeffrey, I'm thinking, when did the light bulb for Jeffrey go off that this was his love and passion for his future. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, okay, so we've heard about what you did. I'm thinking about, I'm kind of curious here. What was the journey for you? Well, fair question. And um, I mean, I can talk about my first trip to Walt Disney World when I was 10 years old in 1974. Okay. And I can talk about my first trip to Disneyland, which I actually hated back in 1988 and then i can talk about you know uh thinking about and dreaming about writing a book which um sort of sat on my mental shelf for about 20 years the real <laughs> light bulb moment for me came the day after i gave the first lecture in what was my dream course the history of disneyland I um, had dreamed about that course, finally got permission to teach it, worked on it for more than a year, syllabus, curriculum, textbooks, guest lecturers, field trips, 
uh, like any good professor, uh, we had it all laid out. We had it all lined up. I give the first lecture. The students absolutely loved it because, again, your ideas and your dreams, they matter and not just to you. But then the very next day, I get diagnosed with a life-threatening brain tumor. Mm. And the neurosurgeon at Cedars-Sinai in downtown Los Angeles wants to operate immediately, telling me that it's life-threatening. It's Friday. I have the weekend to get my affairs in order, and he wants me back on Tuesday for surgery. And oh, by the way, because of the invasiveness of the surgery, it's a six to eight week recovery, and I won't be able to return to work for two months, which means the class would be immediately canceled. And I, um, I knew that I was in on this sort of the way Walt was in on going to California, boarding the train, $40 single suitcase, (laughs) one way ticket. Get, get so your affairs right. Come in on Tuesday. We're gonna do a. We're gonna. We're gonna uh, work on your brain. But hey, it's just nothing. Yeah, and I looked at the neurosurgeon and I just refused. And I told him not happening. And he was like, "What? What? What do you mean? Like, <laughs> like, what are you doing that's so important and so significant that you're willing to put off brain surgery and risk your life?" And it was the history of Disneyland course. And so it was in that moment that more than an idea, more than a crazy thought, even more than a dream, this was a passion, a passion that I was willing to risk my life for. Wow. And spoiler alert, I I, I delayed the surgery. (laughs) I didn't die. And it, 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 it was life changing. Because not only were we able to teach the class and have the successful surgery, even though it was delayed, that then prompted me to write the first of two best-selling books, which then put me on uh, the speaking circuit, and we've been cranking ever since. So when you say that, uh, I, I know we just came out of the pandemic. Um, uh, let's say before that, when you say speaking circuit, uh, give the audience a little bit of an idea of what that entails, how many shows, how many times. Uh, I mean, you know, some people don't understand when we talk about this. What's the what's the life like? <laughs> uh, well, you got to love to travel. Um, you, you've got to love to be up early in the morning, driving to airports, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, travel delays and, you know, whatever. Um, But again, you know, if you're so passionate about this that you're willing to put off brain surgery, you can deal with a, you know, delayed flight or two. So I was going to say that there's probably nothing going to stop Jeffrey Barnes from getting there. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I actually left um, my two decade career in academics last January because the demands on my speaking just became so great that it was impossible to balance the two. So, um, you know, I, I travel, um, both nationally and internationally, uh, speaking on the wisdom of Walt. And so, uh, you know, I write every week, um, folks can go to my website and sign up for what I call Wednesdays with Walt, which is weekly, uh, stories from Walt's life from Disneyland, from Walt Disney world, uh, which is a weekly boost of inspiration, motivation. But um, I'm also on the road, uh, you know, traveling. My most frequent 
uh, you know, speaking locations, obviously, are Anaheim and Orlando, because if you're bringing your company, your team, your association to those locations, they're instantly going to think Disney. And what better way to kick off your meeting or your conference than to hear a, a Disney keynote? But I also travel to other locations. So like I said, I was just in Las Vegas. I was just in Illinois. I'm headed to Canada next week. And, um, you know, it's great because I get to meet people all over the world. And folks just love Disney. And they might not know why they love Disney, but I'm able to sort of parse that out and then take them behind the scenes, behind the scenes of Walt's life, um, really lay out that story and get them to understand that what they love about the parks are the stories that the parks are telling and how that park is really inspiring them to then go out and guess what? Live your own great story. Do you speak on, on the, um, I, I say campuses. I, I, I think at Disney World here, is, it's actually a city by itself. Um, it really is. Yeah, it is. I, I, yeah, I got their own uh, fire department. I mean, everything. Um, but do you, do you, so you're mainly between California and Florida. Uh, you're speaking at the parks in those cases. Uh, when you travel like to Canada and stuff, you're, are you speaking at like convention halls or, or are most of these at uh, Fortune 500 companies? Kind of give me an idea. Um, it's both. So I do a lot of association meetings. So my event in Illinois um, was actually okay. an HR conference. Um, the Wisdom of Walt program has been approved for continuing education uh, credit within um, Charm. So if we've got any HR professionals, you know, you're familiar with Charm, you're familiar uh, with the need for uh, continuing education. Uh, but my event in Canada is with, I believe, one of their Fortune 500 companies. It's actually um, an agricultural group, and they're having a conference centered around the idea of growing their people. And I believe that Walt Disney was one of the greatest HR professionals in the history of business. And no one uh, grew his team members like Walt Disney was able to grow them. And so, you know, tapping into those stories and, you know, telling those stories in a way that not just motivates and inspires, but also equips, um, you know, it's just, it's a real passion of mine. And, you know, I love doing it and it's, it's just a real joy to be able to do it full time now. Folks, as we started our podcast this morning, I think that uh, Jeffrey and I talked about one thing. We have a, both a, a universal thing here. Um, what we do uh, selectively between us is universal to anything. So as I have with our Rockstar program, we go around the country talking at different places, all the way from uh, small schools to major schools to conferences. It's very much like what you're doing there, Jeffrey. Uh, cleaning is universal, but... You know, the way that we come at cleaning is it's all about people. It's uh, the personalities dealing with the people. The task of doing the job is secondary, uh, but the results is what we're after. And that is providing a safe and healthy place. But it's we lead here at the academy 
of making sure that the frontline worker is taken care of in a healthy manner while they're doing their work. And I think that's what's interesting about what you and I are talking here, Jeffrey, this morning is there's these universal things that we can take from different messages if we're only willing to listen. Correct. And what I believe is what it takes to be a great leader, what it takes to achieve your goal, see your dreams come true, what it takes to be successful. Those principles are fairly universal. I'm just taking what a lot of people already know and already love, which is Disney and specifically Disneyland and Walt Disney World and showing it through the principles and lens of success, leadership, achievement, and seeing your own dreams come true. Dr. Jeffrey Barnes, you can find him at thewisdomsofwalt.com. You can find out all about his books, where he's going to be, his next event. I thought it was interesting as I was looking at the website, there's this big ticket uh, um, with uh, Dr. Jeffrey on the stage, and it says Disneyland Adult Admit One. It's $1, and it's the number one. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, would you like to hear the story behind that? Sure. Before we get yeah. ready to close up here, I think there's no better way than to how did that how did that get there? So um, when Walt was building Disneyland, again, his own wife and his own brother really were out on the park thinking it would be bankrupt, shuttered and forgotten in six months or less. And his older brother, Roy, told Walt, we're not building an amusement park. Well, the first day that Disneyland opened, which was not July 17th, that day was a preview day for the press, the media, television, and what have you. But on Monday, July 18th, 1955, lo and behold, the first person to spend the first $1, that's all it cost back in 1955, <laughs> to spend the first $1 to purchase the very first ticket, it was Walt Disney's older brother, Roy. So if you're trying to achieve something right now and you've got resistance, you've got doubters, you've got naysayers, you're just like Walt Disney. Hold on to your dream. Keep moving forward and never stop dreaming. Jeffrey, there's two questions I ask every speaker before I let them go. Where were you born? <laughs> Reno, Nevada. Reno, Nevada. <clears throat> and the second question is, what is on your bucket list for next year, personally? Ooh, Not business-wise, um, personally, for you. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I, um, wow, um, it's hard. I have a hard time separating business from, uh, from personal. That's, so, that's why uh, I make that stipulation. <laughs> yeah. So my number one bucket list is to go to Tokyo Disneyland slash Disney Seas, which I know sounds like business for me. But again, I'm very privileged to be able to turn what is my passion and pleasure into a business. Um, and I had a trip booked in May of 2020. And of course, you can pretty much guess how that turned out. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's why I it's really still on would, your bucket list. <laughs> 
Exactly. Exactly. And eventually, you know, I, I am I, I have an outline in some stories in what will be a third book, the Worldwide Wisdom of Walt, which would focus on the international parks and the cruise ships. But separate and apart from that, my number one bucket list item is to get to Tokyo Disneyland slash Disney Seas. And I really would like to see that happen in the next year or so. Now, you might be asking, folks, if you've never listened to our podcast before, why in the world would you ask those kind of questions? Well, we now know where Jeffrey was born, where he started his life and his journey. We know where he wants to go next year. We know where he's been so far and, well, that he survived a brain tumor and looked death in the face and said, I'm going to do it on my schedule. We also know that he has used the Walta wisdom for his own life and encourages you to use that for yours. What we don't know is where he's going to wind up at the very end. We don't know that of any of us. But what we do want you to do is remember to keep that journey healthy, positive, and proactive. You can catch up with us anywhere on the web. We're at theacademyofcleaning.com. That's uh, where you can find all of our professional development education for the cleaning industry. You also heard us talk about the rock stars. Well, that's rockstarsofcleaning.com. You can hear us here on the podcast. We're in our sixth season of it, looking at seven next year. Um, you can find us on all of the social media outlets that are out there. Please like and share because without sharing, I don't know why I would do this. It's to share and help you. That's why Jeffrey was on here. That's why he's passionate about what he does. And um, Jeffrey, you know what? Sometime when you're back here in Orlando, we're just going to have to catch up with each other and maybe do a, an on-site, on-the-spot podcast. I would absolutely love that. And I know um, you'll, you'll like this. I'm doing um, a keynote for a dry cleaners convention in Orlando in February. So we'll have to plan for that. Well, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, give me a heads up when you're going to be here and what we're going to do. And you know what? Maybe I'll drop what I'm doing and we'll uh, have to meet in person. That would be great. Absolutely. Thanks, great. Jeffrey. All right. Everyone, make sure that you like and share this podcast. Um, we've got, uh, I know we're probably close to, uh, I think we'll get 100 of them out this year. Stay tuned for more. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye.